You guys have probably heard me talk about it at this point, but the One Broke Actress Working Actor Workshop is now officially open for two sets of dates in October. Instead of hearing me talk about the workshop, I thought it would be best if you talked to three actors who attended the workshop this summer. Kendall Dupree, Dan O'Brien, and Brittany Shaw. I think the parts of the workshop that not only stood out to me, but parts that I still use pretty much every day. First off, the little guide that you give us that shows us essentially like finances, working, these, it's like a survival toolkit for actors. And I love too that it is not just for LA, it's for everywhere. It's truly a universal guide, which is so helpful, especially for actors like myself who are bi-coastal, it's so helpful. One thing that you brought up a lot in the workshop and especially in the Q&A section that you graciously gave so much time for and that I love is so curated to each individual workshop because you take your time with everybody. But one thing that you really stress that I really hold close is the power that we have over our own careers, more so than I think we initially thought. And so that theme really has stuck with me ever since I took your workshop. And everyone was like, oh, the financing section, the financing section, the budgeting, and I couldn't agree anymore. I'm coming from a variable income. You know, budgeting is foreign to me almost. That slide kind of putting numbers to the different aspects of an actor's life was amazing. It was like a light bulb going off. That alone, I think, was worth taking the workshop. Things that really stuck out for me, like you gave no BS. Like you were like, this is like the budget. <laughs> this is what it takes. You have to do this and that and really understanding it instead of like the airy fairy kind of stuff. Better networking strategies. I was felt really icky about networking. I was like, oh, I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> What's that mean? Kendall, Dan, and Brittany, thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk to me. You guys are rock stars, and I am so excited to watch your careers explode. If you guys are interested in learning more about the Working Actor Workshop, all of the information is linked in our show notes of this podcast episode and also available at onebrokeactress.com. Okay, let's get to the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the One Broke Actress Podcast. I am your host, Sam Valentine, bringing you an honest account of actor life, plus a few lessons I learn in the process. And I am so excited because we finally have our first guest episode of Season 8. I have been stalking Angel Jafria on Instagram for about a year now. Angel is an actor and she is also a disability representation advocate and consultant. She refers to herself, and I am stealing this term because I love it so much, as a bionic woman, which is my preferred favorite term. She is a really badass actress, and today she is going to share her ups and downs in the acting business, as well as what you need to know about being a disability advocate in your own personal life. She shares with us things on set that she wished she would have known better how we can advocate for disabled actors. Do they even prefer to utilize the term disabled? What is the proper terminology for this group of humans? All of these things, the questions that we might be nervous or scared to answer, we're going to talk about them today and why this should be in the conversation more often and why it also shouldn't always have to be a conversation. So without further ado, please enjoy Angel Jafria. So I am very excited to sit down with Angel, who I have been internet stalking for a little over a year now, I think. <laughs> um, Angel, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. You are a bionic actress, which is the term I have chosen to go with because I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's the fun one. I like that one. <laughs> I think that's my favorite one. Um, before we started, though, I was getting uh, your proper descriptors, your proper adjectives, because you are a disabled actress, but I wasn't sure if that was the terminology. So let's kick it off right there in teaching yeah. me and us, who all who are listening, what's the proper terminology if you want to describe your disability or your mm -hmm. bionicness? Yeah. Go ahead and kick us off there. Yeah, it's been really interesting over the last few years, especially because I think people are trying to be like as sensitive as possible mm -hmm. and they want to make sure that they get people's preferred things. And like, I think a lot of the time people think disability is a bad word. 
I think we've all been kind of brought up to like, oh, don't call them disabled. It means they can't do something. But in the sense of like the social model of disability, the idea of disability is that you are disabled by your surroundings. You know, the world isn't designed for you. It isn't built for you. So me as a one-handed person who wears, you know, this cool bionic arm, you know, technically I'm still adapting to all my surroundings. So disability is a word that I have fallen in love with, you know, because of the community and realizing, you know, what that means for me and everybody else. So you'll see tons of um, castings, you know, descriptions that are going to be like um, actors with special abilities. And it's like, I know that they're trying, (laughs) but sometimes I'm like, I can't see through walls. You know, I can't (laughs) crush steel. Like, I wish I had some really special abilities, but (laughs) like, you know, you could say disability or you can be specific. Like I have a limb difference. Um, or someone is blind, or someone is deaf or hard of hearing, you know, those aren't bad words. That's what we are. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's really good to know. I think you're right. Everyone wants to be sensitive, but also sometimes we feel like it's insensitive to ask the question. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so this is just a lovely conversation to kick off to, to have that kind of a thing. Are there things that you see on casting breakdowns as an actor that you're like, Mm, nobody consulted on this. (laughs) Yeah, there's plenty of times where I've seen something or like written out. And um, I actually, there was definitely a typo on something I saw recently that looked pretty bad for the company. And I had to try reach out. I was like on casting networks. I was like, hey, uh, the way that you wrote this is actually really insensitive. And I think it's a typo. Like, I think it, I really don't think it was written like that on purpose, Um, but they weren't responding. And all of a sudden I looked on Twitter and it was like blowing up and I was like, oh no. (laughs) So I I contacted them on Twitter and they got through like, oh, we just changed it. Thanks so much. But like, it's very obvious when there is no one involved that has a disability or they Mm. haven't brought anyone in to consult on it. And when there are projects that involve disability, I feel like that's a pretty important thing because like, you know, as much research as a person can do, it's, it's always important to have somebody uh, within the community or of that experience to kind of, you know, um, say, this is how, you know, this should be done. uh, I would hope. Commercials are actually doing a great job on this recently. I've been pretty happy with the fact that like a lot of, bigger commercials what they're doing now is pretty interesting instead of um so to give an example like I fit a description that was like girl at ramen cafe or something right Mm -hmm. um but my agent wouldn't submit me for that one they have a specific category that just says actors with disabilities okay so what they're doing in that is then they would submit me for that one and then they would look through and go oh she fits this this and this and we'll see we'll submit her within those roles because they're trying to make advertisements more inclusive. So they're going like, we don't know where they fit and we don't want to say amputee actor for this. We don't want to specify the disability. We want to see who exists, you know, what actors are out there that, you know, are talented and trained or whatever Mm -hmm. and can fill that role. So I think that's been a pretty cool development within the commercial world that I've only really seen over the last year and a half, um, which has been nice. Oh, that's so nice. Cause I feel like that's a place where we're often told that you're selling like a, a, this like picture perfect, like white picket fence, you mm-hmm. know, nuclear family type of image. So for them to finally get with the times is um, very refreshing. Right. Uh, to finally be like, oh, the world looks like this, you know, 20, 25% of the U.S. has is people with disabilities. So when you're not including that in your ads, you know, you're, you're inaccurately representing the world, which makes people not know what the world looks like. Yeah, totally. I would love to talk about that in terms of your childhood and getting into the business, right? Because I have no idea how old you are. I think we're around the same age. Um, But (laughs) uh, with that, when you were younger, right? And Mm -hmm. we didn't have images of, I think, almost anyone with a disability. Occasionally, maybe there would be a celeb, the bad guy. Uh Captain Hook, the fugitive, the one-armed man. Yes. Or, or like a, a celebrity in a wheelchair occasionally, mm-hmm. right. For something every once it, in a while, <laughs> uh-huh. but it was never there. It was never disc, you know, it, it always had to be pointed out. Also, mm-hmm. it was never just a part of the atmosphere, right. a part of the life. So as you were a child and deciding to come into this business, did you feel like you fit? Did you like, what, what was your no. childhood like in this? <laughs> Um, so I was born without my arm and my mom is like this total badass nurse. She happened to see a program about prosthetic arms while she was pregnant, not knowing that I had 
one arm um, or that I was going to be born that way. And she found um, it was the first by kind of first gen bionic arms that were being brought into the U.S. for kids, uh, which is really cool. And she cried through the whole thing. They're giving babies arms. That's so beautiful. Not knowing, not knowing I was going to have one arm. So when I was born, you know, the room got quiet and everyone's like, oh, she has one arm. My mom was like, oh, it's fine. Tiny robot arm. I've seen it. Um, and all the doctors <laughs> thought she'd like lost her mind. <laughs> um, so my mom like went through this huge quest through like insurance and talking to all these people and being like, I want to do what's best for her. And, you know, I happen to really like my prosthetic arm. There's a lot of young people that were like, mm, you know, kids don't even want to wear shoes, much less, you know, something on their arm. Um, yeah. And did you have to get a new arm as you got older? Like, was it fitted to yep. you at every couple of years or something like that? Yeah. In the beginning, it was a few um, every, every year. And, you know, you think these things are pretty expensive around the time, the older generation, yeah, $5,000 a piece. Holy shit. That was my next now question. Now they're like Ooh. quadruple that. Um, they're more? Oh yeah. The 25,000 won't get you like either, um, which, you know, a hook, which is a really, you know, the prehensile one that, uh-huh. which is cool. Um, and if that's what you need for your life, they're more rough and tumble than my, you know, technically I'm like holding an iPhone in my hand, right? Yeah, yours like, is really bad. <laughs> it's like pretty high tech looking and like any sport you wouldn't do holding an iPhone. You probably wouldn't do wearing this arm, that kind of okay. thing. But, um, but yeah, so like, that'll get you like the basic ones that can only do like one grip. So my mom had to fight with insurance and it was so new that she was able to fight and win. Now insurance does a lot of stuff where they deny everyone on basis of like, um, not medically necessary. And it's like two-handed people telling you that like (laughs) another place where we need a consultant in the room. Yeah. Right. Uh, The insurance companies are like, who medically, who is giving me this answer? But from my mom being the way that she was so outspoken, I kind of picked up this like gauntlet of like, I wanted to talk to people about my arm. It's so cool. Like I was the little kid that was like, I have a robot arm. You want to see? And I'm like, you can hold it. I'll pinch you. Like you'll love it. And you know, a little, you, little intimidating. <laughs> do you think that was because you're from the beginning, your mom was like, oh, we'll just, we'll roll with it. Do you think that Absolutely. like really set the basis for you to have so much confidence and just walk into a room? I have a lot of friends who also have congenital limb differences like myself and their parents did this thing, which, you know, you, a parent is just a person who has a kid, right? So they do what yeah. they think is best. And a lot of times if they don't have a disability as well. It's, it's an interesting way of, you know, the world isn't always nice to people with disabilities. So a lot of parents I know did this thing where they said, you're just like everyone else. Don't worry. You're just like everyone else. But then we all had that moment where we realized we're not. And it got to be this like stressful point of being like, wait, if I'm not, what does that mean? And like, they, they told me that I was, why did they tell me that? Is that because being different is bad? Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. I think my mom whether she, you know, intentional or not, she was always, you're different. And that's, what's great about you. Um, and maybe it led to like a little bit too much of confidence where I was like, who wants to be my friend? I don't know. I don't know any actor who's not, who's too confident. I I know very few. (laughs) When it comes to my arm, obviously I could talk about that all day because Mm -hmm. it's part of me. You know, I, everyone's like, Oh, if you could go up on stage and talk for an hour. And I was like, about my arm easy. It's, you know, my life. Um, so, you know, that led to me being really excited about being performance. Like I love to perform. I wanted to get in Mm -hmm. front of people and like do this. And I immediately thought, well, I can't really be an actor because they would have to write my arm into every part. And how hard would that be? This was as a kid. I was like 10 years old. Where'd you grow up? I'm from Louisiana, right outside of New Orleans. Okay. Okay. great. 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 And so like, I just remember thinking like, oh, I could be a model because models, you know, they're just technically like like a hanger, right? You're you're showing something and like the model could have one arm, like that's fine. And then I hit five five and stayed there. Um, <laughs> 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 I was like, I'm gonna be tall if I just will it. Um, um, but I started community theater, uh, it's not a little theater right where I live when I was 12 or 11. It was like summer program, YATS, Young Actors Theater. And I just fell in love with being on stage. And my first role was like, ensemble kid in I forget what the play even was at this point it was like you know an independent um playwright that was like local it was like kid buried in dirt in the mall number four (laughs) and I was like I'm a star oh (laughs) yes so (laughs) I started doing stuff at school and different things like that and 
did all the plays and our musicals. Um, but I, like you said, I never saw anybody look like me. Mm-hmm. And then when I did, they were a bad guy. They were a way that somebody used to tease me. Like occasionally people would be like, oh, you know, Angel, the one-armed bandit or like as a joke kind of thing. Or like, mm-hmm. you remember Scary Movie? There was a character where the guy pretended he had his strong hand and he had yes. a hand that was shaped differently. But in the scene, he was like sticking it in food and then like touching like people's stuff. Like that yeah, was, was like super part. weird. Yeah. Yeah. That was the gross part. But for some reason, they always do this thing with like disability and then like being weird or creepy and gross. And it's like, you just tied those two things together. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so I heard that for years, even into college. Like, Angel, you're going to do that with your strong hand? And like, my arm doesn't even look like that. And like, I have friends whose hands do look like that. I can't imagine how often they heard it, you know? So it gets frustrating when that's our representation. It's like, that's what you hear. And like, do you think that actor really thought about that part of it? That a little kid who has a hand like him is going to like the, the fake character is going to hear that forever. No, definitely not. But that's, yeah. It's like, that's kind of part of the problem when like you're playing these characters. A lot of times, like, like you maybe don't have that experience to go, wait, what is this going to mean? What is this joke going to mean further down the line? You know, Um, so I went to college for psychology instead. My dad was like, you can't go for acting. You need a degree in something else. And I feel like at a lot of rooms, like, you know, casting directors love hearing psychology because you can understand another person without being judgmental. Absolutely. Um, So I loved psychology big. I got my master's. um, But while I was finishing my undergrad, I started um, doing extra work just to be on set. I just wanted to be on set. Yeah. I also wanted to make some money too. Louisiana started. Louisiana was popping then, right? Yeah, for a little while. And then, you know, we got our lost our film incentives for a while, but they're coming back. Yeah. They're figuring things out. The take it easy vibe is a little too strong sometimes. (laughs) A lot of a lot of rain, a lot of hurricanes. A lot of easy. A lot of has slowly. (laughs) But um, but yeah, like I I started doing extra work and I actually I was on set for Green Lantern, which, you know, didn't do well box office wise. Um, but the director uh, uh, was uh, Martin Campbell, who did like Casino Royale and GoldenEye and stuff like that. And I showed up for a normal kind of cattle call-ish day. We were a bunch of college students in a classroom, probably like 70 of us. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, you're, I've done extra work several times at this point and a PA comes in and they told him to pick some girls. We didn't know what was going on, but he was like, kind of like, you, you, you come in this room. And it was like seven of us. Then someone else came in, I'm assuming, you know, 80, someone, you, you, you ended up with three of us in a room. And we're like, what are we doing? Like, I had no idea what was going on. Finally, the director comes in, Martin comes in, he just goes, her, and walks out. And then they rush me through hair and makeup and they go, you're going to be featured in the scene. You're going to be running late in for class. And I was like, yeah, yeah, like, I want to do that. Every background actor's dream right? is like the day. Yeah. <laughs> right? And at the time, though, I didn't wear this kind of arm. If I had it, I'd show it to you, but it's somewhere around here because I wore it for an audition yesterday. It's actually on my Instagram. It's the one I'm singing into. Oh, okay. Aesthetic okay, okay. that uh-huh. looks real. Like it's skin colored. And, you know, that's what I used to wear to do background work because I didn't want to stand out. I was worried they'd pull me because my arm was too noticeable. So I'd wear this cosmetic, fleshy toned arm all the time. Because I, you know, I wanted to be there. And I thought if I looked too different, they'd pull me up. So I realized that I had on, you know, a longer shirt. He didn't notice. He looked in, looked at me, you know, quickly, her. And I was like, oh, no, this is about to be so awkward. I was like, as much as I wanted to do it, I was like, I, I have to tell someone. So they're all rushing me around to do this. And I grab a PA and I'm like, hey, I have to speak with the director. <laughs> and the PA looks at me like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Sure you do. <laughs> yeah, like this extra. Like I need to talk to the director. I looked at him and I go, I have one arm. And he was like, I'll be right back. You need to talk to the director. <laughs> you need to talk to the director. Um, so, you know, some time was passed and I'm like running through in my head what I'm going to say. Um, and he finally comes over. He's from New Zealand. He's like very chill, like comes over and he's like, nobody obviously told him what the issue was. Nobody wanted to tell him. He's like, what's, what's going on? Um, and... I did what I'm doing now where I, you know, rapid fire at him. <laughs> I was like, I really want to do this part. And, you know, I've been acting since I was really young and I'd be really excited to do this. And, you know, I, I love this, but also, 
you know, I totally understand if you want to pick someone else because, you know, I don't want to distract from the scene. I know technically I'm just background. And I, if you want to pick someone else, like I won't be offended. It won't, you know, end up in the newspapers or like, you know, I won't, I, I get it. I get what this is supposed to be like, what, you know, acting is or whatever, which obviously I didn't. And he looks at me and he's like, like, obviously has no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm like, oh, I have one arm. Like I wear a prosthesis. And he looks down and looks at me and he was like, have you ever been late for class before? And I was like, yeah, I'm in college. And he was like, I don't get why you can't do it. And it was just the idea that I knew that, right? As a disabled person, right? I live my life grocery shopping and, you know, being the babysitter and doing all these really mundane or generic things. You know, I'm not always the Olympic athlete or the veteran or the whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It was just hearing it from somebody that was that high up that was like, what? Of course you can just be late for class as a person with one arm. And like, I don't get why that's an issue. And literally that week I started looking for an agent. <laughs> I was like, why can't I? Oh, and also this, he tried to give me a lie and I was, I was too an actor brain to really, he was like, Angel, Angel, if you were late for class, would you say anything to your teacher? And I immediately was like, no. I would sneak in as quietly as possible to not distract from my lecture, right? <laughs> I missed out on the Taft-Hartley. Come on. Oh my God, that went right over your head. Oh my God. Yeah, but, uh, but you know, I, but you were very I stand by honest. It, it was yeah, very honest. I stand honest. by it though. Yeah, I stand by that you don't interrupt class. <laughs> so that was one of the first times you were on a set where the scene wasn't about the fact that you wore a prosthesis. It was just right. you yeah. as an actor. Right. If you see, like, my my first credit was in the film called The Accountant um, with Ben Affleck. Oh, yes, yes. I yeah. So I did, like, robotics lab patient number three, which is funny because I wasn't sad yet. And robotics lab patient number one was someone they flew in and didn't use. He wasn't even in the film. Um, <laughs> I was like, but that's good for him. I'm glad that he was still able to keep his credit and stuff now, understanding how union stuff works. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> But, um, but yeah, so I got to do that. But like, if you look and it's like, you know, hospital patient and this and that I have so many credits that are based off of the fact that I'm a limb, like limb different person or my cool prosthesis. Um, And then I did a film called Hover. And the reason that I got brought in for that was because the first AD was on another film where I did play a disabled character, like written through the breakdown. And when they were casting this film in Louisiana, um, the casting director was like, are there any like ace in the hole actors that I should bring in, you know, for this one part, like recommend, you know, 20 people or whatever. And she threw my name on the list. Character was literally flower clerk, had nothing to do with my arm. Now, this was a like, sci-fi movie, right? So like she kind of knew what she was doing. Uh-huh. But like in the regular audition, like my arm, they didn't ask for a full body at the time. Um, <laughs> and my arm was never in it. Uh, and I got the call back and I thought like, you know, let me, let me just show up so that I ended up having my hand in the screen. And I remember booking it and the coolest thing happened. Um, Cleopatra Coleman's in it, who was in like Last Man on Earth and like a mm-hmm. lot of other cool things. She wrote it and she came up to me on set and she said, I just realized who you are. She said, I was watching a documentary that you were in that I wrote like after, before all I wrote this movie. She was like, cause it was about like science fiction and high tech stuff and technology kind of taking over and stuff like that. She was like, you were in that biohacking documentary. It's not about me. I was hosting like a conference that was about biohacking and like tech and people who cool. have like implants and, you know, do all this stuff. And she was like, you were in that. And I said, yeah, she was like, I can't believe you're here. <laughs> I was like, it was just a really cool thing that, you know, that it all kind of like lined up in this way. But I remember my mom going like, so you're just flower clerk. You don't have a name. I hadn't been like a named character yet. Right. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not bionic flower clerk and I'm not amputee flower clerk. So yes. like to me, it was important. <laughs> yes. And it is important. I, I think, oh God, I love this because it's like, we don't always have to comment on the thing that's in the room. That's not like, um, thin, white, attractive, like straight middle class. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like the, the things we're used to, to watching. I, I am so curious as you built up credits, because I was looking at your IMDb before this and I was like, she got a pretty stacked list in here. You know, <laughs> the outsider looking in, it always feels like right. more than it is. Uh, what have you seen 
that you feel like we wish we were still getting to like, what, what could we still improve on in what you're seeing? And then I'm also Mm -hmm. going to ask you what you've seen that you've really been impressed with in the past couple of years. Well, so like I said, commercials have really kind of been kicking ass in the sense, like I'm very excited at the gains that we've made in inclusively casting Mm -hmm. disabled people. Like, you know, just seeing the type of talent that they're bringing in has been great and seeing national castings, international castings, trying to find, you know, the right person and making that more of, you know, what is supposed to happen. Right. Um, If you're looking for a really specific person, like you wrote that person, like if they don't exist, then, then why are we writing that person? You know, it's like a lot of times, like, should you be really writing somebody that's like not that um a lot of the time uh so I've definitely seen a lot more of that within commercial stuff I really think we have a long way to go in film television's getting better but it's just not enough people with disabilities in writers rooms um Mm -hmm. I I'm doing uh kind of like a meet and greet thing with some studios later this month um, through one of like inevitable foundation and one of the the people who are trying to bring diversity to writers rooms and mm-hmm. like showing like how we can better integrate disability into storylines. And they said like, what is one of the main things that you would think is important, like a, a disability storyline that would really help the community. And I was like, I can't think of a storyline because like you said, with, you know, a lot of the times in shows, the, if there was a disabled character, the storyline would be based on their disability, right? That's yeah. all it was they're in a wheelchair that's what it's about you know that's all we're going to talk about if they're deaf that's all we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. I think the idea of having more people with disabilities in recurring and serious regular roles are the only way that we're really going to change anything because then they get to see the multifaceted person rather than whatever you know the co-star bad guy the co-star sad person the co-star You know, we're only getting to see that single facet when you're showing somebody who's regularly shown on TV, like you said, maybe like white, straight, attractive, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. You're allowed to show the one bad guy because people then don't go, they're all bad guys, right? We don't have enough representation to just keep showing, you know, the veteran, which, you know, obviously we do have a lot of veterans who are amputees. But if I told you that I would say 75% of the things that I auditioned for in 2020 and 2019 were veteran roles like and I'm not (laughs) like right Right. like my character type do I look like you know what tv's version of a woman veteran is right like yeah let's tell everyone that you are absolutely adorable and I don't (laughs) picture I mean I'm sure you can wield a gun like nobody but I just right I've done the weapons training I've done all the training to do because I know that because that's a casting type that you have to go with. Yeah. Mm, interesting. How do you feel when you see uh, not even just celebrities, but other actors portraying roles with disabilities? Yeah. So obviously it used to be commonplace. Like there wasn't, I didn't yeah. really have a feeling about it because there wasn't, I didn't even know of any actors with disabilities. So like, you know, Marley Matlin, like was like the main person you're like, oh, you know, Oscar winner, Marley Matlin's like a basic. But like when it came to amputees, I didn't find about about Robert David Hall um, until I was older, who's in CSI. He was the coroner and he's missing both of his legs. Everyone knew he used the cane, but he's an amputee. Uh, and a lot of people I don't know had I no idea. That. Yeah. Right. The older guy with the beard, like uh-huh. the white beard, bald, has a yeah, cane. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. like he's been around forever and he's an amputee and like there's a lot of actors who do have disabilities and and you know Hollywood the idea that they don't want people to know because they think it's going to prevent their castings you know they think it's going to prevent people bringing them in because hassle kind of thing right um but I remember when Charlize Theron played Furiosa right I could not have been more excited, right? This badass character that like when I watched the movie, like dramatic, I know, but like tears, like nobody asked her what happened to her arm. Nobody asked her if she was okay. Nobody assumed she couldn't do things. At one point, she even takes the weapon from Tom Hardy's character. He gives it to her because he knows she's a better shot. Like without it, and people were so mad. They were like, well, what happened to her arm? What happened to her arm? And I'm like, you know, doesn't matter 
Like it didn't matter. So funny. I didn't think that once. I didn't, right? it didn't even cross my brain. And I've seen that movie multiple times because it's one of my husband's favorite movies of all time. <laughs> I love period. Love. So like for years, I was like this big, big champion of like how great this movie was for disability representation. And then the last few years, I started to realize, did it really show people what amputees can do? Or did it show people what they thought Charlize Theron, who was wearing a green screen sleeve, could do? Same thing with like The Rock in um, Skyscraper. Like he pretended to be an amputee who was missing his leg, Um, which like everyone loves The Rock. So he kind of got like the check mark of approval. But at the same time, like I know some badass amputee guys who could have played that role. Like everyone's like, but you need the butts in the seats kind of mentality, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, he could have played another role in the movie. Like he didn't need to not be in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like Kurt Yeager is an amazing actor who you know, plays a lot of characters like that. He's a total badass, like dirt. He was in Sons of Anarchy, like rides a motorcycle and like does all these things. He's about to be a series regular on Another Life Season 2 coming out um, on Netflix. Like there were people. um, And that's what's frustrating right now when I talk about Fury Road and like Mad Max. So the Furiosa Mm -hmm. prequels is about to film and they cast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I've been waiting for it for years. We knew it was coming out like two years ago. And I was like really exciting. Not that it was going to be me, right? Whatever, but that idea. But I was excited. So let's say Mad Max was filmed in 2010, Fury Road. So that's 11 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. That's when they cast Charlie's there. So we think like how much we have really developed in talking mm-hmm. about inclusivity, right? They caught cast Anya Taylor-Joy without a second thought. They literally brought. I did not realize that she was in that. Oh yeah, (laughs) like literally, like they were like, she's perfect for this. They did not even try, and like that's usually what you'll hear. Like we tried really hard to find, you know, an actor who was blind and this, or an actor who's an amputee and speaks Spanish, or like we tried, we couldn't find it, and that usually gets people to pass, right? We're like, ah. Okay. And sometimes, you know, you're like, they're full of it. They didn't even try, but at least they said they did. <laughs> at least they lied well, about trying. At least they, at least they pretended to do the least. Like for. <laughs> <laughs> they pretended to do. <laughs> like for, for Fury Road, for like the Furiosa prequel, they were like, oh no. So I'm like, the only way this is okay, which would be really funny in my opinion, is if she doesn't lose her arm the entire movie. That the prequel of Furiosa stops before she ever loses her arm. And then there's just some sort of space in here where <laughs> Furiosa loses her arm and nobody ever finds out why. I mean, that's <laughs> definitely not happening, but it's. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it's frustrating, right? So like, how do, because we have a lot of beyond actors who listen to the podcast. There are a lot of people who are actors and also writers and producers mm-hmm. and things like that. So let's talk about the ways in which we can really start making this a truly inclusive atmosphere. Well, it's frustrating because, right, like as an actor, you want to portray these. That's the whole point. You want to portray these different walks of life, these different people. You want to understand it. You want to get in the mindset. A lot of times we refer to this as, you know, we talk about it's like Oscar bait is called cripping up, right? If you crip up because within the disability community, we were like, we are allowed to say the word crippled. <laughs> like I say, I would say crip time with my friends. It takes us a little longer to do things. Um, <laughs> but when you talk about cripping up, the idea is like, oh, they're doing that. They're going to get nominated for something. And it's like, you know, what, what you love though, is getting to portray this other person. But sometimes it's, we have to really think about like what kind of disservice we're doing when we know that you can stand up from that wheelchair in between things. We know that you can walk to set and sit down in it. Was the environment even wheelchair accessible? Was your trailer wheelchair accessible? Was the makeup trailer wheelchair accessible? And it's like, you don't, like you, like you took two months practicing using a wheelchair, like, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, but really, do you understand that frame of mind and what some of this dialogue truly means? And then you think about the dialogue and it's like, did the person who wrote it really understand what it means? Yeah. So we have movies like Me Before You, who everybody was very, very upset about because all it really did was take the disabled person and say, my life isn't as valuable as the abled person, you know, the person without the disability. Mm-hmm. So literally it got to be where people were like, wait a second, who wrote this? Like, you know, who was consulted? And I think that's an important thing. Like, I'm 
I don't think that it should be that all actors can't play all roles. But I don't think we're in that position yet because we don't have enough disabled actors who are being given the same opportunity to audition for things. When I can go out for every single role also, you know, as opposed to me walking in a room and going, can the girlfriend really have one arm? Does that make sense? You know, that kind of vibe. You know, same, it happens with, you know, people of color as well. Like when you think like they're not getting in the room, you know, people who are queer, like they're not getting in the same rooms because they're being looked at in a a different light. So like when Mm -hmm. you're taking these roles and like as an actor, you're like, wow, I get to be so far outside of who I am. It's the fun part. It's the exciting part. It's like, and I want that to be the world we're in, but we have to make enough space within there now so everybody can get to that point Mm. where, you know, if there is a bad guy who has a disability, it's not looked at any differently because we also have a good guy. We also have a hero. We also have, you know, the in-between. Yeah. There's, you know, I tell, I tell actors all the time that like, listen, accept who you are because you're going to play yourself for the first 20 to 40 years of your career and then they'll let you play. Right. So we can play weird stuff like on stage and in our heads and all these things. But, you know, most of the time in film and television, you are going to play a version of yourself. But the idea that you're not even allowed to play a version of yourself because you have an exterior thing that changes Mm -hmm. the way that people look at the environment that you live in, because it apparently takes up more room is incredibly frustrating. So are there's, there's like having consultants, having people Mm -hmm. in the writer's room, are these the ideas that we want to (coughs) like move in towards like that kind of a thing? I'm just, I, I, I love to present like, here's a problem. And also there are ways that we can show up better for people around us. Right. So what are some ways in which we can start doing that? And also, then I also, I'm going to get to talking to you about specifically on set accommodations. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So obviously there's consultants now and I've been brought in to consult on scripts. Like I'll just be contacted specifically saying like, Hey, can you read this? Hmm. You know, they have onset consultants for disabled actors, which I think is incredibly important, especially now because we've had an uptick, which is great hmm. in young people being cast who have disabilities. Um, the only thing with that is a lot of young people don't understand what accommodations they should have. They don't understand what maybe a joke that might not land the way they think it lands because they're young and you know they don't really understand tropes or stigma or the different things you know um that are incredibly important to talk about so having onset consultants I think is a really important when you have you know minors um it's been great because you know when I think about like as a kid like I didn't see any anyone who looked at like me right Mm -mm. but that's where we're excelling right now is that we're having so many, you know, the CW has the 4400 coming out, which is, you know, a remake of the original. But for one, it's the most diverse cast I've ever seen, including a series regular who has an upper limb difference. Um, she's 18. Her name's Autumn Best, which is so cool to see. It's like, I also auditioned for it. I'm not 18. <laughs> but, you know, I would love, you know, if I, 10 years ago, I could have done it kind of thing. Uh, for like five you totally, years ago. you totally look CW 18 just so right. You know. <laughs> yeah. So I auditioned for that. There's also a show that's actually premiering tonight on a primetime show, uh, La Brea, which I also auditioned yes, for. Yes. Um, Zara Gorlecki is in it. She is a leg amputee and she's absolutely fantastic. And it's just amazing to see like they're both cool girls. They're not like the sad, I'm insecure, like, you know, that's the character we normally see as the disabled person. Like, mm, like people aren't going to like me, which not, it's not that that's not valid. Like a lot of us have body, everyone, especially as a teenager, is very mm-hmm. concerned about how they look and all those things, right? But it's amazing to see that they're, you know, series regulars from the jump, which I think is the first that I know of. Um, and then like, so having that has been really, really cool for that kind of thing. And, you know, they can consult on their characters as well. But I do think there's a, there's still room for having an onset consultant, because if you think about it, a lot of us, especially when you're starting out and people with disabilities, like we're happy to be there. Right. And do we always speak up like when there's an issue? I, I remember the first time that I came home from set going, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Wish I wouldn't have said that didn't think that joke was funny out of like in the moment everyone's telling you these things and everyone's laughing right and like you're maybe you're playing like with an improv and I went home and I was like that's not funny that's mean I don't like that I don't like that that happened but 
if you don't think about how you're going to stop it in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of these young people, especially some of them, it's their first time being on set. So I think having a consultant around no matter what is important. Um, and it can't just be anybody. A lot of times, like a lot of these productions are like, well, we brought in somebody with the same disability and it's like, yeah, but do they know the tropes? Do they know this? Do they know, like, mm-hmm. there are people who have wild, you know, varying opinions depending on their disability. Like, are they incredibly mobile and active and they're able to do things versus somebody who's not, you know? Right. So like, they might be like, oh, this, I think this is fine to say. And it's like, but you should also present them with, you know, the idea that there are some people who might not like when you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah. I think having a consultant is incredibly, incredibly important within, you know, writers being, I have a good friend um, who is a writer. He wrote on The Rookie um, and he uh, is a wheelchair user. He has cerebral, cerebral palsy, one of the funniest people I know, um, David Ratcliffe. And like, he is amazing. And he gets to write on storylines that don't just have to do with disability because he is a normal writer. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> But also he's good to have around to bring up the accessibility things that people may not have considered. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just diversifying in general, right? Just having these people around to make sure that, like we said, like the world is being accurately represented. Because if you have, you know, 12 people in this room, statistically speaking, you should have, you know, a wide view of opinions and varying body types and, yeah. you know, what people look like should be different. So yeah, across the board, right? And in, in in all the categories. When Absolutely. you when you're on a set, are there things you have seen on sets where you're like, hmm, this uh this this isn't great? Because I go to a set and I'm just like, I'm just happy to be here. And like oh, I am, yeah. you know, I'm still booking roles that are very small. And so I'm just like, today's my day to be on yep. set. And you know, a series regular would be there all the time and probably have a higher, you know, a louder voice. But oftentimes we're just happy to be there. So right. what are things that you've seen on set that we could advocate for or potentially do better? Right. Um, so a lot of times you'll see people with disabilities that are around um, that are not in principal roles. Mm-hmm. They're typically background. Um, and that's always a thing that frustrates me. And it's like, okay, you think we're, we should be around in background, but we can't be in front of the camera, you know? Um and I, I used to do background work, so I'm familiar mm-hmm. with it. And I remember there was one time we were on a show and we were supposed to have been dead bodies. I played quite a lot of dead bodies in my life. <laughs> uh, just like <laughs> arm ripped off, let out, oh, just, God. you know, that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, burn victim, something, something. But there was a woman who was there who had was a new amputee. She was very excited to be on this show. She was a leg amputee. They spent hours doing her makeup. So it looked like her leg had you know, been ripped off. My arm had been ripped off. There was gore and all those things. One, she's a new amputee. So like, maybe they should have checked in a little bit how that was going to go. Um, which she seemed okay. But then the real problem started when for one, she couldn't wear her prosthesis, right? Her leg prosthesis. So someone had to help her hop out of the makeup trailer, um, which is very bad for your existing knee. Um, and she was just, just happy to be there, just happy to be there. And I'm like, and I've, okay, I'm... I've never seen a makeup trailer with a ramp. They exist. They do exist. I have seen mm. one. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I've seen one. They exist. But yeah, very few and far between. Um, and I remember thinking like, okay, well, we're going to get in the van. They're going to drive us straight to set. It's going to be fine. We get to the van, get to set, and there's like rocks and all this stuff everywhere. And I'm like wait she needs crutches she needs something she's gonna have to hop over they're like oh we'll carry her it's like nobody wants to be carried like yeah that's so but of course she was so excited to be there my daughter's gonna be so excited to see me on tv and like i'm like trying to just be like hey like this isn't okay like like <laughs> it's not okay like that this is happening and it's a lot of times like you knew she was gonna be here but you didn't find out enough to, to know what that meant mm. But then we don't want to bring it up because then we don't want to be the problem, right? Of course. But so I think most recently I saw an issue in a casting office was an in-person audition, which is, you know, few and far between right now. Wow. Right? Yeah. But masks, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the person that was there was deaf and they predominantly breed. Um, so we get into the office and someone's coming up with the laptop to check everybody in. And I'm going like, I can immediately see. I'm like, how's this going to go down? Um. And the uh, casting assistant comes over and starts talking to my friend who I do know. And 
he's he's like I'm deaf like I don't can he's like can I see your mouth can you back up and she was like oh I can't take my mask off and I'm like he can't hear you like and I so I have what people don't know like you know I'm like can you she had a computer in front of her I said just type it so he can see it and then turn it towards him she's like oh okay and then they did that and I started thinking like well how are they going to communicate with him in the room like how are they going to so like I walked into the office and I was like, hey, not to like step on any toes here, but like there's an app you can download. It's called Big. You literally just like talk and it like shows to text really big on the screen. So you can just very easy, like very plain and simple, as simple as like opening a text message or a notes app even you can do. And they were like, wow, we were so worried. We didn't know how we were going to communicate. I was like, you called them in. How did we not think about this when we called you. someone in? You uh... <laughs> knew. You knew it was coming. <laughs> You're like, I just got here and I figured this yeah. out. Like, yeah. but I have the experience, you know, I have yeah. friends you know, I've been to, but like before I had deaf friends, like my friend Ricky Pointer, like she's the one who had me download this app. I worked with Ruderman Foundation and MIT for their like social justice within disability class. And I got there and was like, wow, I don't know a lot about other people. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know about all my stuff, you know, yeah. amputees. I'm a camp counselor at an amputee youth camp. So like I'd been around enough amputees, but hearing what, you know, accessibility accommodations that are around and exist, I'm like, this, this is actually pretty easy if you just knew, like, you know, just asked, mm-hmm. just, <laughs> and yeah. like that becomes where like, we feel like the problem and it's like, yeah, but you can just find out pretty easily. Like, honestly, they're amazing resources that you can just Google it. Like they have stuff that comes up that are like, this is where you should start. Like, yeah, you can hire somebody, but there are free resources that tell you like what kind of accommodations would be good. Right. Right. Like, I think everything is at our fingertips now. When I say do research, it just means do a quick Google. It's right. Not, <laughs> it's not asking much. Okay. That's, that's important. I think for people to hear also, it's just like thinking outside of what we think is the normal bounds mm-hmm. is just often thinking about someone other than ourselves, right? Right. It's just, just because it's not your normal doesn't mean it isn't normal for somebody else. And like, that's kind of like, people come up to me a lot when they see me doing things with my arm and I'm like, oh my God, when I'm at the grocery store, like buying groceries, like pushing a shopping cart, they're like, that's so cool. You're so inspirational, right? <laughs> How do you feel about that? Because I listened to a podcast recently with a, a, she was a, I, oh, I forget. I forget what she called herself and I want to use her right words, but she was a, she was a disabled yoga teacher. And she Mm -hmm. was talking about how she's, she's dealt with the world. And she was like, I'm so sick of people saying that I'm inspirational. It was the diet starts tomorrow podcast. And they had a fantastic episode with her. And she was like, I hate when people say, she's like, I'm just living my life. And it's like, kind of, stupid for you to say that to me well the way I had it, I had a reel that like did pretty well on Instagram about it. I was like, trying to explain to people why it's just a filler word like when you're coming up to me and telling me you're inspirational or tell me I'm inspirational I really want people to go I'm like what did I inspire you to do you know <laughs> what what about what I just did made like you know what happened there and if if you just think have that thought before you say it if you look at me buying groceries and you're like wow she's so inspirational and it's like wait what did she inspire you to do it's like well it made me appreciative for my body that the world is designed for how I look that does not make me inspirational that makes you appreciative and you can keep that to yourself like that's that's an okay thought to have that's actually great for you to acknowledge that the world is built for you and to realize you know what what comes with that truth like the privilege that comes with that is like wow shopping carts are designed for how long my arms are or that I can stand or those kinds of things. It makes you aware of what the world, the difficulties and barriers that are placed for people who don't look like that. But is that really something that I'm going to go, wow, thank you. Like, am I, are you really complimenting me in that moment? Like, I think you can hold off on telling me you're inspired unless I'm actually doing something. You're like, that's freaking cool. Right. Mm-hmm. I, when I do archery, I think people can tell me I'm inspirational every day of the week because it's hard to shoot a bow with yeah. one hand, you know, it's not designed for me and I do it and I'm pretty okay at it. I was pretty good at it. Right. Yeah. So like when someone's like, wow, that's really inspirational. Like maybe it inspired them to try archery or to try something that wasn't designed for them or that was harder. I think people just want to so quickly jump to that 
that they don't realize what the thought process really is. You know, like yeah. maybe just take a second. <laughs> this is, it goes back to the, it's not always about you type of thing. Like it's just, it's not. And, it's, and it's sometimes also, the idea is it does make them feel good, right? People, people go, I told them a nice thing. And it's like, yes. And it's like, it, it, it's just like you said about how, uh, when a when an actor is on set with like a limb difference, for example, the story has to be about that. Like you're just at the grocery store. Like the story yeah. doesn't have to be about your prosthesis. Like it just nope. you're just trying to put apples in a bag. Like it's <laughs> I did a film um called No Such Thing as Monsters. We shot it in Australia and my character has was written to have one arm. That they wrote it as she was had a limb difference. The story has nothing to do with it. Not they don't talk about it pretty much at all. I think there's maybe comes up once or twice. I think they, it's a, it's a scary movie. It's a horror movie. So they take my arm from me at one point when they're holding me captive, which makes perfect sense. Why would they let me keep it? Um, <laughs> but a it's that genius idea. bad guy move. <laughs> right. My arm exists. We can acknowledge it in that sense that it's like, don't avoid it. Mm-hmm. Cause if you avoid it, then that's fake too. Right. Like it is going to come up in my life. Right. People do see it. People do comment on it. I do have you know, days where I'm looking at my arm battery going, am I going to be able to push the shopping cart? Cause my arm's about to die. That kind of thing. Right. But at the same time, like every conversation I have is not about my arm. It's not about me being sad that I have one arm. It's not about me being, you know, worried about this. Is that sometimes what it's about? Yeah. Maybe, but that's why I think it's important that we have more characters that are allowed to have arcs <laughs> because you know, you can be sad that you have one arm and you can also be excited that, you know, you're a part of this huge community or, you know, have, I have lights in my prosthesis and the day that I was able to customize it, like those are all cool and fun things. Like, yeah, yeah. There's so many storylines that are not just like, bummer, I'm disabled. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like the, the uh, integration of a full body shot into slates has been a positive or a negative? Well, being as typically the role is already for someone who has a disability, Hmm. um, it kind of hasn't really changed very much for me because they already said a lot of the times, make sure you show your disability in the frame. So like my headshot, if you noticed, is much further out than most people's. Yeah, it is. Um, It is. I like that. (laughs) Pretty much what happened was um, when I used to wear my cosmetic arm a lot of the time, um, I didn't have my prosthesis in the photo. And I remember even being worried about having it listed on Actors Access. They used to not have an option for it, but I was like, maybe I'll put it in the notes. They changed it now. There's actual option for it. Good Good, uh, good boys. Good boys. Right. Right. Uh, But I remember being worried. And then I would get into a room that wasn't a disability specific role. And I felt like, obviously, this is pre-pandemic, right? And everybody would be so caught off guard that they wouldn't even be paying attention to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I could you could see wheels turning in people's heads like is this to be she could yeah maybe she could have okay uh don't look at it but don't look at her don't look at the arm but don't look at her but can we look at the like you know what I mean like yeah. nobody knew what to do and I started being like I'm not gonna get this role anyway like I, yeah. I used to say like oh not having my arm in my headshot gets me into more rooms and I was like but is it quality am I really being seen in those rooms or are they too distracted by my arm so when we started integrating my arm into my headshot and everybody knows, right? We're all, everybody knows, <laughs> you know, I know, you know, we all know, like, you know, that kind of thing where I'm actually getting these rooms. And when it is for a role that isn't disability specific, I know that they're going to take me seriously. And that I actually have a shot at this. Yeah. We all want to say like, we can change their mind in the room, right? I may not be what they're looking for, but if they're so caught off guard, then are they really seeing you or giving you a shot at all anyway? That's just basic good headshot advice, by the way. <laughs> just... Make sure they know you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it truly is though, because if you're presenting yourself as some other form, when you get into the room one, you're already scared because you don't want to be seen or might be nervous or whatever it is. And then two, they're going to see right through whatever like you're doing. You're so... you in the room. <laughs> yeah. And even if I know that we're not doing uh, in the room much right now, but at some point you're going to show up in front of people. And Mm -hmm. if you already think that they're nervous about, if you're already nervous about presenting who you are, whether you have a disability, whether you're, you've gained weight, whether you've cut your hair, whatever it is, if you're, if you are worried about showing up in a different body, 
then it's going to throw you off completely mm-hmm. too. Oh, that's yeah. just really good advice. Wow. Thanks for that. <laughs> it's really interesting <laughs> to think about too. Um, hands right for commercial mm-hmm. right yeah you get a lot of like show your hands uh-huh. so i uh i always have to kind of make a joke of it because i come with options i have a lot of hands so when they're like show your hands i literally will have my one hand like this and then all of a sudden i'll just cut it to a different hand doing this and then i'll cut it to a different hand like i have different colors i have different... <laughs> what do you want like <laughs> i come with options i come with and i also take off my arm and do like my little arm like i'm like here you go like this is <laughs> dude i think that is so funny <laughs> like and it, how- i think it helps too because you know it's sometimes people aren't sure how to talk to people about disability yeah and like you're gonna make a mistake like you're gonna say something wrong and we're gonna have a conversation about it and like the idea that we should have expect everyone to be perfect all the time is silly because like how are they gonna know and i'm not mm-hmm. talking about like basic stuff where like you just randomly walk up to someone you're like how'd you lose your arm like don't do that (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. that should be common sense right but like but like the other stuff of like you know whether someone wants to be referred to as disabled or not I have plenty of friends who it still makes them feel kind of icky like they don't like it so they're like Mm -hmm. I would rather just you know you say that uh I'm an amputee just like Mm -hmm. avoid it like don't even include it because it doesn't make me feel good and a lot of times it's probably new amputees or people who haven't really worked that into who they feel like they are yet mm-hmm. um it's it's a it's a journey for everyone I mean I grew up this way and I remember the day I found out my dad had me as disabled on his taxes and I went and I was like you what because <laughs> I thought it was bad I thought you know when people go because people want to give you the compliment a lot of like, I don't see you as disabled the fact that you said you don't see me as disabled means that you think disabled is bad so you're giving me a compliment you think you're giving me a compliment right and right we heard I that a lot in, in, uh, in, in Black Lives Matter, right? When we had this big, this summer and, and people came, you know, and were like, I, I don't see color. And the conversation came out that like, when you say that you're thinking that color is a bad thing. And then yeah, you're, you're disregarding all of my history and past and what makes me me. And obviously I'm not speaking for myself, but I think also when you take yourself as myself, if I take myself out of the narrative of being like, I'm so afraid to be wrong. So I'm just not going to learn anything. Mm-hmm. Then it's just you protecting yourself instead of you being willing to learn a lesson. Right. And we have Absolutely. to, we have to be wrong. We have to mess up or else we're never going to learn. And when we center ourselves in our own narrative all the time, we don't go anywhere. We don't get right. better. We don't expand and we don't tell or learn new stories. Right. It's been really interesting for me as well, because like, when I think about how I look, right, I have like this girl next door, pretty commercial, kind of mm-hmm. cutesy, right? And I think about the options that I've gotten versus some of my friends who, you know, maybe have facial differences or um, have scarring or different things like that. And when we talk about like what is palatable disability or the idea of like, you know, seeing somebody that it's like they're disabled, but like not that you know, it doesn't catch you off guard or anything like that. And like, that's, what's gotten to be pretty frustrating. It was a really interesting thing with, um, Rami, mm-hmm. um, Steve way, it plays pretty much himself. Rami wrote, wrote it right. And he wrote it. Steve way was his best friend. He wrote the character for him. And he has said publicly that they originally didn't want Steve way. And Steve way was like, because, you know, the way I looked was like disabled. Right. I looked what people, you know, necessarily when you talk about wanting to see this perfect version of things on TV. Right. Mm -hmm. They didn't want him. And then, you know, Rami fought for it and Steve fought. They showed him like what he could do. And of course, he's amazing and wonderful and super talented and hilarious. Fantastic on that show. So funny. So it's like that kind of thing. It's like where you don't normally see people. um, So like I've had to kind of check myself in certain situations, especially Mm -hmm. like. I'm like, who else are they inviting in? You know, who, who else is around? I'm like, obviously you're an actor and you want to work, but then sometimes you're like, you know, am I taking a role from who is someone else who I know would be perfect for this? That's what's always hard. I tweeted something the other day, like someone else had, I have to go back and look who said it, but it was the struggle between being the advocate and the actor. And it's like, I know I could go out for this and I could book this, but I also know the perfect person for this that does fit exactly what they want. And like, there have been times where I'm like, hey, here's the other, here's another person. <laughs> like, 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 it hurts so bad. But at the same time, it's like, 
no mm. like like David Radcliffe um who's the writer that I talked about earlier he actually got contacted by a director on a production that was like hey we'd love you to consult on this and the the person that they were was a, a young girl who was an amputee who used a wheelchair some of the time and he was like the only thing I have in common with her is that you know I use a wheelchair some of the time he was like I think Angel would be much better for this and instead suggested me for a job which ended up not going because it was through a big network and ended up going like internal stuff but mm-hmm. it was the idea that like it is important still to like put other people's names out there within you know when you think like obviously I want to work and I want to do things but sometimes like I know that maybe it's not me for this thing and I think right now it's like we know we all know we can't be right for everything right yeah you know you can't be right for everything and you're like this one's just I'm not right for this and that's okay like yeah I mean that's a huge growth point in your career I I I I'll 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 wrap this up soon but I'm just so excited to talk to you you have so much like charisma and you have so much energy and you said you got your confidence really young from your mom and all of these things this business is kind of built to break us down a little bit, make us feel small, especially if you have been a background extra, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes you're like corralled like cattle. How, how have you kept your spirits up in this business and how have you kept yourself going? Because, you know, if I thought that I had a hard time if getting roles, like I, I look like anyone's next door neighbor. Right. So especially when we were earlier in this career. So how did you, how do you keep your confidence up and your spirit up? Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, honestly, it's been a struggle recently just because of how the world is. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, I remember the day that I kind of made the decision that I was that, you know, acting over psychology. Cause like, like I said, I have my master's and like, I was like, you know, Oh, I'll, I'll do, I'll do acting on the side. I'll do theater. I'll do these things. And I just started crying. And I remember just thinking like, I can't not do this. I just can't like, there's things that you just have to do. I just and that like, like sentence makes me like feel that in my soul. I can't right? not do this. I've said it so many times. And like some days you want to just be like, I I can find another thing to do and like I'll do this on the side. But it's just like you feel it in your heart that it's like I can't not. And like, yeah, it hurts. There are days it hurts. <laughs> like it sucks. Like I've been, you know, how many times I've had to see veteran roles or like this inspirational this or go out for someone who's, you know, way younger than me. I'm like you know, there's the days that it hits hard where you're like, oh, this role would have just existed five years ago. I could have definitely gotten in. And there's those days that hurt. And then like, and I don't know if it's associated with being a disabled person and just having to keep going and saying like, you know, just keep pushing. But I feel like that is where like, you know, you say like, if you can't not, you have to keep moving. You have to keep going. And like trying to motivate myself to say like small steps of things at a time. And like, it's always nice to see you saying like you can always be working on your craft and doing things that keep you engaged because like there are the rough days that you're like, is this working? How am I going to make rent? How am I going to do this? You know, and then you book a commercial or, you know, <laughs> or something yes. like that, which is great. Like, and, but it's the idea of like keeping your head in the game and like, obviously like you go plenty of time without booking anything and trying to just keep it up. And I think financially, especially this year has been hard on everybody and it's just trying to do the things that make you remember why this is the thing you can't not do um and that I think is the important part of it (laughs) I love that sentence so much oh my god it's so true we're all like I just I I can't I can't I wish I wish I'm always like I wish I wanted to be an accountant (laughs) yeah everyone wants to me to be a lawyer, right? That's the big thing my entire life. Everyone's like, oh, you're so good at this and that. And, you know, and I'm like, I would be a great lawyer. And I was like, on TV. <laughs> like, and I will play one eventually. <laughs> yeah, like a psychologist on television. I have all the credentials. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh yeah, like, it's coming down the pipe for sure. For sure. Oh my gosh. Is there anywhere you want to direct people to, to follow you, to check out anything you have coming up? What do you have going on? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I have my Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram. I post a lot of disability-related content that I think it's important mm-hmm. right now about to do, hopefully, some some plugs of some actors that are 
currently amputees that are going to be on a lot of programs. We have a lot of great programming coming up. And like my boyfriend the other day was like teasing me about it. He was like, wait, you're promoting other people. And I'm like, it's important. Like, I wish someone would have talked about when I did this, you know, and the community didn't know. And like, people will see why it's important. So check that out when that exists. Awesome. Um, I think I'll that'll be it. cool to watch. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm trying to think if I have anything. Oh, I have a short that's coming out. Uh, I did with an AFI students at Western. I'm really excited about it. It's very sad. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, it should be good. So watch my Instagram for when that'll come out and hopefully it'll go to festivals and all those things. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. This was just a lovely, a lovely way to spend my Tuesday. Thank you for having me. All right, guys, I will talk to you in just a bit. 